This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. It's important to establish a culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. So, it's easy to see now why Tua is the number one and number two selling jersey in the NFL. Holy crap, guys, you came out of the gate hot with this fan giveaway. <laughs> if you ever had any doubts about Tua's popularity, especially just on social media, that easily erased it. I forget what time we came out with it, Riley, yesterday but easily over 200 retweets for this contest. We, we're thrilled to see the fan participation so far. No, it's tons of fun, and it's only going to grow from here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Fin It to Win It, brought to you, as always, by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name's Riley Bradshaw, alongside Mason Englehart. You can follow us on social media. We're at Fin It to Win It. And if you don't know what we're talking about, then you're missing out, man. You got to go to our Twitter and our Facebook page, at Fin It to Win It, and check out our free jersey giveaway where you're giving away a free to a jersey all you got to do on twitter is retweet the post and follow us on twitter and on facebook you just have to like our page at finit to win it and then share the post and right now the interaction is freaking outstanding like it is (laughs) it's on fire right now it's been great and it's and it's awesome to see just dolphin fans getting excited in the off season we kind of need these pick-me-ups so i think we, we planned this giveaway at a perfect time just to get everybody a little excited. This is a down period in the NFL before camps start. So it's it's been great to see the participation and the social interaction with everybody, too. We've had a busy week here on the show. So earlier in the week, we released a podcast, Dolphins Players with the Most Approved going into the season. We started our fan giveaway. We had our interview with rookie tight end Bryce Sterk. He has a fascinating story. If you haven't heard that podcast yet, After this one, make sure you go check that one out on any major podcast platform. We're doing our offensive line preview tonight, and then we're doing another one coming out, a special one, later in the week. But tonight, we're talking offensive line. And typically, Mason, when you think about an offensive line conversation, you break down the depth chart for the offensive line, 
doesn't sound like a very exciting episode. That could not be farther from the truth this year. I say out of all the position groups, this one is the most fascinating to me. It's the one with the most question marks. We don't know really what to expect because so much movement has happened with this unit. Yeah, and there's going to be probably the most camp battles that we see in training camp with this unit in this offensive line. And it's in part to how the Dolphins strategized in the NFL draft. They took three offensive linemen fairly early, all three of them in the NFL draft. They love all three of them, obviously, and they feel like they can be day one starters. So that is really exciting. And then they also go out in free agency and they pick up two quality veteran offensive linemen who are going to have an immediate impact and they're going to help add depth to this offensive line. So I agree with you. This is going to be a fascinating discussion, but it's also one of the few position groups where we really don't have an idea who is going to be starting day one for Miami when week one rolls around against New England. We can have our thoughts and opinions on it. Obviously, with there being a lot of rookies in the mix, we really can't solidly say if they're going to be a day one starter, but it it's definitely adds drama to it because there's going to be so many positional battles for this unit. We've said it on the show before, with the offensive line going into the season, week one, you could see potentially four or even five new faces, new starters on the offensive line, depending on how training camp shakes out. In fact, Mason, when we first launched the show, one of our first posts, it was right after the draft, we asked Dolphins fans at Finit to Win It, list your projected starting five for the offensive line, and obviously the answers varied tremendously. I mean, there's so many different angles, like you mentioned, so many different battles. We're going to get into those here a little bit tonight. I think for the most part, the names that, you know, when I was going through all of the answers from Dolphins fans, the names that popped up the most were Jackson, Flowers, Karras, I think Hunt, and probably Davis were the top five names. So we're going to go through all of these guys tonight. We're going to go through returning Dolphins. We're going to go through free agent acquisitions. We're going to go through the rookie class. And then we're going to kind of talk about these position battles, how we see them shaking out, who fits where. It's really like piecing a puzzle together for real. And like when you look at the Dolphins, Mason, at least in terms of the depth chart, I don't know if you have the uncertainty at any other position group. I mean, here and there you have, you know, free safety, you have your position battles, running back, who's going to get the majority of the snaps, what downs. But on the offensive line, you could see a guy, a specific player, fit on like two to three different spots on the line or not even be on the starting offensive line. Yeah, Flores and Greer, they really want that versatility. We say that word every episode, but it's the truth. With with this coaching staff and the front office, they want players who can play different positions and Let's be honest. That's what you want in an offensive lineman. You don't want them plugged in at one spot and that's all they can do. You want someone who can possibly go to right tackle or right guard. You want an offensive lineman who can play center or they can play guard as well. So that is really important for this position group. The fact that you can plug in these players at different spots, because unfortunately the Dolphins, like many NFL teams, they go through the injury bug. And it seems like Miami over the years has had really bad luck when it comes to the offensive line. There's at least one or two pretty bad injuries a year. So you need that depth and you need players who you can move around the line. All right, so let's kick it off with my three words. What do you say, Mason? We do it for every depth like chart it. breakdown. So there's a lot of different words you can go with here, and who knows, I may even change them in the middle of doing this. But <laughs> let's start with number one, upside, obviously. I like that. They draft yeah. three new guys. They bring in two free agents that are projected to be on the starting offensive line. So there's a lot of upside. Physicality. 
I mean, you could say physicality, you could say grinders, maulers, nasty. Any of those words fit in this category because they brought in guys that have a mean streak in them. And we're going to talk about that here tonight. And number three, chemistry. This is the most important one, Mason. And I've talked about it in previous episodes when we've talked about the offensive line. Out of every unit on the football field, the offensive line developing chemistry and cohesion is the most important because really the entire offense is facilitated from the offensive line. It's a house of cards, Riley. Once that bottom level goes, the rest go falling down. And we, we've seen the pro football focus grades from last year. We've seen the highlights of all the sacks the Dolphins gave up over 40 last season. We know how bad this unit was last year. So hopefully another word, I'll give you a fourth word, and that's hope. Hope that this unit can rebound from last year and hope that the depth they've added can really be impactful. And also we're going to talk about some of these guys from last year, how, you know, not, not all is lost in some of these returning players. They did show promise, especially at the end of last year, they rebounded nicely after struggling at the beginning of the year. So hope is a really good word. So there you go. I added a fourth word for you. Hope. All right. I like it. Hope. So when you have so many new faces inserted into a unit, it's going to take time to develop chemistry. So in my opinion, it could be a little rough at the beginning of the year. But as we progress, hopefully you'll see this unit really come together and kind of mesh together. Let's go ahead, Mason, and start talking about the guys that are returning Dolphins from last year. And I want to start with our third-round draft pick out of Wisconsin. He had a rough rookie season, but there's a lot of factors that go into that, right? I'm talking about Michael Dieter. He started most of the season last year at left guard with no consistency around him. You saw guys going in and out at left tackle. Kilgore was a mess at center. So yeah, he had a rough year. He got benched. He came back in. But you have to remember, when you're a rookie coming into a situation like that, a situation where there's no stability around you whatsoever, the room or the expectations for success have to be somewhat, you know, have to be somewhat limited, right? Yeah, I mean, Michael Dieter was actually a guy we talked about in an earlier podcast episode uh, when we were talking about uh, players that could break out this season. Um, so, you know, when you look at Michael Dieter, he definitely had his up and ups and downs last season uh, with left guard experience, center experience. I like his versatility a lot, and I do like the way he rebounded after being benched. I also like how much he was actually on the field. We're, I'm going to say this a few times uh, during this podcast, but – These returning players, a lot of them showed grit and a lot of them showed that determination to pretty much tough it out last year. There was a lot of low points last season for this offensive line, especially within the first few weeks. And he was someone who stayed out on the field almost a thousand snaps last season, 92% of the offensive plays. And what I really like for Michael Dieter is he only had five penalties all season. That puts him just inside the top 25 for linemen, according to PFF. So only allowing six sacks too. He had his mixed results, but, you know, Michael Dieter, he's going to be in a battle all camp long. He's going to have to battle for a guard position, and he does have that center experience too, so he can be mixed with that. But as of now, I I see Michael Dieter as a week one starter unless he is pushed by one of those rookies. It's so funny, right, because Michael Dieter made our list of potential breakout players for the Dolphins this year. (laughs) And he might not even start. (laughs) Michael Dieter made our list of Dolphins with the most approved this year. And now we're talking about Michael Dieter here. And you mentioned versatility. Really, when you talk about all these position battles, almost all of them involve Michael Dieter. (laughs) 
<laughs> sure. Because if he loses one battle, he can shift over to another battle and potentially fill that spot. So you're thinking about him at the right guard spot, right? Because they're talking about Robert Hunt, and we're going to get into Hunt later, but they're talking about trying Robert Hunt out at right tackle. He's going to be going up against Jesse Davis, maybe Davenport if he loses that at left tackle. So if Hunt loses out at the tackle position, he's going to kick into guard, right? So he's going to battle Dieter. If Hunt wins that battle, what happens to Dieter? Either he goes as your sixth rotating offensive lineman, which wouldn't be a bad thing. I think, you know, having Dieter as your sixth uh, lineman, your first lineman off the bench, it's a pretty good situation. But you mentioned his experience at center. He played a lot of center at Wisconsin. And while Ted Karras really ended the season on a high note last year for the Patriots, I don't think that's a lock by any means if Dieter comes in and they're like, hey, we have control of this guy for the next few years. He's young. He's got upside. Let's see what he can do at center if that's the position where he kind of falls into. With the amount of injuries that we see throughout the NFL season, if if my, if Dieter is not a week one starter, it is very likely he's going to be inserted sometime during the year to uh, fill an injury position or to give depth if something's not going right with a certain player who's been inserted. And I we really like his durability. Uh, Fifty three consecutive starts at Wisconsin. You know he has he has issues with. Uh, proficiency he has issues with some technical things but he's still a young player he's going to have another training camp to work on some of those things to make sure he's not shooting his hands up too early making sure that he's not fall, falling off too many blocks so there's a lot of things michael dieter needs to work on but he has the durability he is reliable at times and he can play a ton of different positions on this line and i think that's the golden ticket the fact that he is so versatile and they can put him in different spots that's going to probably make him if he's not the starter, the first lineman off the bench. So let's go ahead and move on to Jesse Davis. So we, I mentioned Davis when we're talking about position battles. Davis played a lot at the tackle spot last year. He was the 62nd ranked tackle, according to Pro Football Focus last year. So a lot of room for improvement there. He played 131 snaps at left tackle, 852 at right tackle. So I think when you go into camp, you're looking at him at this right tackle spot. And like I mentioned earlier, it's probably going to be a position battle for starter with Robert Hunt, the rookie uh, that they got in the second round from this past draft. So obviously with a young up-and-coming player that the Dolphins are clearly very high on, Jesse Davis's starting job is very much in jeopardy. And what happens to Davis if he loses out to Robert Hunt? If Robert Hunt comes in and you know takes the reins of that right tackle position, do you then move Jesse Davis into guard? He has some experience playing guard. He has 41 career starts with a mixture of tackle and guard. So it is a possibility. Or do you see him being a guy that comes, you know, that plug and play type of tackle off the bench? Yeah, similar to D Dieter Riley, uh, Jesse Davis, he can be moved a little bit around in the line. Uh, right tackle is the spot they're going to hope he can he can get unless Hunt just really shows that he can be that tackle for the Dolphins. And we'll get to Hunt in a little bit when we talk about the rookies. But another thing similar to Dieter is he played a ton of snaps last year. He played almost 1,000 snaps as well, 975 it's about 90% of the time he was out there on the field for the Dolphins. And he closed out the season pretty strong. Uh, five, I believe it was the five-game run to close out the year. He kept Fitzpatrick mostly out of harm's way. No sacks allowed, only gave him, only had three hits. So the way he closed out the year is very promising, too, for next year. But second straight season, he's playing wire-to-wire. -wire. Uh, this last season, he was at right tackle. In 2018, he was at right guard. So the right side of the line, 
is obviously somewhere he's going to be either starting or plugging and playing. And when it comes to Dieter and Davis, these are the top two guys returning from the Dolphins who really need to try to make an impact and show that they can improve from last year. And, uh, you know, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the returning players, but we discussed this stat a little bit earlier on on an episode, but I think it's important to, to mention again. Out of 171 NFL offensive linemen, all of Miami's offensive linemen finished 146 or worse in pass block win rate. And pass block win rate, it's going to tell us the rate at which linemen can sustain their blocks for 2.5 seconds or longer. So the Dolphins really, really struggled at that. So these are two guys in Dieter and Davis who are going to really need to fix that for Miami if they're going to play for the Dolphins next season. It's funny you mentioned that, Mason, because when I was looking back at his game logs, I was looking through, and yeah, he picked it up a little bit towards the end of the season, but what I took from it, I was like, uh, this guy was consistently mediocre pretty much the entire year. Yeah, he didn't allow a sack in his last five games of the year, but damn, man, I was looking at his game versus Pittsburgh in week eight. I've never seen a pass block rating so low in my life. You know what his rating was? His rating for that game was a 19.2. He gave up a sack, a QB hit, and seven quarterback pressures. (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't blocking anybody that game. There was a lot of that last season, though. A lot of room for improvement. We'll see what Jesse Davis does coming into camp, especially with the pressure of having all of these young offensive linemen in Jackson and Hunt and Kinley coming in, vying for starting roles. But he's there. He's going to be battling what we think for that right tackle spot. So we'll see how that kind of pans out for him. Then you have Julian Davenport. Mason, I know you're not very high on Davenport. He came over in the trade for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. He was hurt a lot of last year, but he finished the season on a positive note. In weeks 14 through 17, he had a rating of 64 or higher in three of those four games. In those games, he only gave up one sack. So kind of like how you mentioned with Davis, I'm going to take that angle with, (laughs) I'm going to take that angle with Davenport and say, hey, he picked it up a little bit towards the end of last year. Yeah, not not a bad angle to go with, and I and I agree with you to some uh, extent. But you know, with with the injuries and there were just way too many negative boxes to check off for Davenport last season. Really didn't fit the scheme the Dolphins were going with. He had a lot of communication breakdowns. He was beat regularly last year. So there's a lot of you know when you look at the starting lineup, the projected starting lineup, um, and I know we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Who we feel like are going to be the Week One starters. Uh, you know, Davenport will probably be penciled in as that week one starter right now. But the hope is that Austin Jackson can easily take him over for that starting left tackle position. I mean, if 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 Austin Jackson cannot take him over for that week one starting position at left tackle, that's not the best sign from our first round rookie, just because I feel like his role on the team Davenport last season was just to fill a need. It was, he was more or less like a Band-Aid, and now it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and to hopefully move on. But at the same time, you don't want to get rid of him. You need that depth, and if he's not the week one starter, he needs to be behind there to be ready, waiting in the wings to jump in there. He has quite the injury history as well. He came in as a fourth-round pick out of Bucknell to the Houston Texans, and he was immediately thrown in pretty much. They traded away Dwayne Brown their veteran left tackle and they kind of went through a little Rolodex and they ended up on Davenport. So he was kind of thrust into action very early in his career. Then he sat out four weeks. We all know about his injury history last season. So he's got to find a way to stay on the field 
That's the most important thing. He's not like Dieter and even Davis. Uh, Julian Davenport has his injury history that he's dealing with, but I don't know. I looked at it, and he played a little bit of right tackle as well. I have to think, Mason, if you're picking a left tackle in the first round of the NFL draft, you're going to play that guy. Unless Jackson comes in completely unprepared, I expect him to be taking that left tackle spot. So do they move Davenport over to right tackle and see what he can do there? I mean, we've kind of mentioned the instability at that position between Davis. Maybe Robert Hunt comes in and takes it, but I personally think Hunt is more of a natural guard. So we'll see what Hunt does there. But does Davenport get in the mix as well? Um, In 2018, he played 214 snaps for Houston at right tackle. So he does have some experience from the right tackle position. Like we said, it's it's going to be a carousel, and I think this season there is going to be a lot of moving around. Um, you know, things. It's a very long season. Things happen. Injuries. Uh, new players, especially rookies, they have down games. So you need these guys waiting in the wings. You need them ready. If Davenport is not the week one starter, he's still going to have a. Uh, he's going to have to fill a need for this team eventually. So then you got guys like Keaton Sutherland, Shaq Calhoun, guys that played significant time. Well, Shaq Calhoun. Last year, he was undrafted out of Mississippi State. He started seven games for the Dolphins. Yeah. What does that tell you about the state of the Dolphins' offensive line last year? Not great. Not great at all. So I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of those guys. Keaton Sutherland, he's right now listed on the depth chart as the second center. But like we mentioned, if Dieter loses out at that guard position, I think it's a real possibility of him, if something happens to Karras or if he beats Karras out in a position battle, I think that he is another option at center, maybe even over Sutherland at this point. Yes, uh, Sutherland, he's a guy that's going to have a big uphill climb to make the roster, um, just depending on how camps go. Uh, you know, He was a replacement for Dieter in the Jets game. They use him in heavy packages, but whew, he, he's going to have a tough time making this roster, especially depending on how Dieter's position goes uh, when he's battling Hunt for the guard spot. So let's go ahead and move to some of the acquisitions that we made through free agency. We brought in a couple of guys. I think immediate starters, especially at the guard position, at left guard. So Eric Flowers, a lot of people have mixed reactions. So I'm curious to get what you think about Eric Flowers coming in because everyone knows he was a first-round pick at tackle. He was picked in the top 10 by the New York Giants, and he was a complete train wreck. I mean, this guy was an all-time draft bust going into last year, and he resurrected his career with the Washington Redskins by transitioning to guard. It's funny, Mason, because Bill Callahan, former Raiders head coach, and he was the Redskins offensive line coach for the last four years in Washington, he was a driving force behind Flowers playing guard. In fact, back when Flowers was drafted, Calhoun wanted the Redskins to take Flowers with the fifth overall pick in that draft to try him out at guard. But the Redskins decided to go in a different direction. So, Bill Callahan was kind of that, you know, he was that he was that cheerleader for Flowers. He wanted to bring him into the Redskins, and he helped resurrect his career at guard, and he was a very serviceable guard last year. So, yeah, Eric, Eric Flowers, the $30 million man, three years, $30 million contract. I, I think that's right there is one of the negative things the fans see, the amount of money the Dolphins paid him for really just one solid season um, as a guard. But you know what? It was a solid season, like you mentioned. Tackle did not go well in New York, 
But when he moved to guard in Washington, he showed a lot of promise and he is a young guard for the Dolphins. They got a young guy and he's definitely going to be able to fix the worst offensive line last year in Miami. Should secure that guard spot pretty easily on the left side and 92% pass block rate. It's going to help a Dolphins unit a lot that finished last in that category, like I mentioned earlier. So the Dolphins are really hoping to get that 2019 version of Flowers so he can become an impactful guard on this team. And he can he can be somebody who can work with these rookies and coach them up and help them out a lot. So this 2015 first-round pick, he had a rough start to his career, but obviously we like the way he's trending. The Dolphins paid him a lot of money. So it's nice to get, though, a player on this offensive line who does have success and hopefully he can build on that with the Dolphins now. Yeah, he was the 33rd ranked guard overall last year, according to PFF. And kind of what I talked about with Davenport with his injury history, when you look at Eric Flowers, you see a reliable guard that's going to be out there week in and week out. He's only missed four games in the past five years. And in those four seasons, he played 15 games or more. So he's a guy that you know you can rely on at that left guard spot to be a reliable anchor on the left side of that line. And here's a very positive thing when you're looking at Eric Flowers. When running behind Flowers last year with the Redskins, the team averaged over four and a half yards per carry. When they went to the right side of the line, Mason, under four yards, 3.8 yards per carry going to the right side. So clearly, this guy brings physicality, those words that I talked about earlier, bruiser, mauler, road grader, he brings that physicality, something that the Dolphins, quite frankly, have been missing for quite a while. Like it's been it's been a long time since they had an offensive line that had a mean streak in them. And I think you can see the tendency of the guys that Brian Flores and Chris Greer brought in. That really is one of the key components to these guys. The makeup of these players is they have that nastiness to them. They have that physicality. The Dolphins offensive line is not going to be pushed around anymore. And he also brings the word I said, Riley, hope. Hope that the Dolphins' running game can now have a little bit more success than last season. Because when we did our running backs preview, we talked about how abysmal the running game was. Well, a large part of that was due to the way the offensive line played. So it's great to hear those numbers about how he really helped the Washington run game on his side of the the line last season. And we're really hoping for the same thing uh, this season because he's going to be – he's going to be playing most likely next to a rookie left tackle in Austin Jackson. So we're really going to need that hope that he can continue to flourish and continue to be an anchor in the guard spot for the Dolphins next season. So let's go ahead and transition to center, and let's talk about Ted Karras. So this is a guy that was a six-round draft pick in 2016, was a backup for most of his career. Last year, he finally gets his opportunity with the Patriots after David Andrews goes down. Played in 90% of the offensive snaps. And this is a guy, I talked about Jesse Davis, where like the whole season, to me, he was consistently mediocre. That was not the case with Ted Karras. Ted Karras is a guy that got better, improved week after week. In the last six games of last year, he had an individual pass blocking rating of 85, 83, 84, 80, 63, and 84. That would have ranked him as the sixth best center in the entire league in those last six games. Yeah, it's it's great, Riley. We plucked another Patriot, too. I think that definitely adds something uh, to the mix. Just taking another player away from our division rivals, it's going to weaken that team to some extent, and it's going to strengthen ours. You know, Karras is not going to be a guy who's going to be a long-term answer for this team, I don't think, but he is a short-term answer for sure at the center position. 
Uh, he's a tough player. He's a good locker room guy too. Everything out of New England said he's a good good locker room guy, which this is a young team. They need players like that. I don't think that can be uh, emphasized enough. Miami does need those leaders in the locker room. But, yeah, I, I really like the way Karras ended this season last year. He's definitely going to be in a battle for the uh, center position. Most likely he's going to be the starter. But, um, you know, how we'll just have to kind of see how things shake up as far as other positions and how they affect him in the center spot. But overall, I like the signing. It's a good pickup. Yeah, I talked about the improvement in terms of pass blocking. His strength is actually run blocking. Overall, he was yeah. the 19th rated center last season, but he was the 13th ranked run blocking center in the entire NFL last season. So you're getting a guy that is trending the right way. You know, he may have been a backup for most of his career, but when he finally got his opportunity, he made the most of it. So there's a lot of positives, a lot of things for Dolphins fans to be excited about with Ted Karras coming in and getting another opportunity. He talked about it. Why did you come to Miami? Well, I knew that this was an opportunity for me to continue my growth as an NFL player and another opportunity to be a starter in this league. And he proved it at the end of last year, and he's looking to prove it again here in 2020. So, And, and the contract is very um, friendly. One year, only $4 million. So that's a solid signing, and it's a one-year deal. It's kind of a show-me-what-you-can-do-in-Miami, and we'll we'll check out things later on down the road. I like that a lot with free agent signings. Kind of kick the tires a little bit, see if last year was more of a fluke or if he can stay consistent. So good signing by the Dolphins overall. So let's go ahead and transition to the rookies, the future of the Miami Dolphins franchise. But first, a quick word from our sponsor at Bet Online. Guys, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. Mason, why don't you tell them more? Hallelujah, Riley. Sports are coming back. We have golf coming back this week. We've had NASCAR for the past few weeks, too, so it is great. But you're right. Slowly but surely, live sports are coming back. But if you need even more, BetOnline has you covered. They still have those simulated um, sports you can bet on. We're talking about NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day long, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use this promo code BLUEWIRE. That's promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. So go on, guys, online to Bet Online, your online wagering experts. All right, so let's dig into some of these draft picks. Let's start with our first round tackle that we took with the 18th pick. Thank you, Minka Fitzpatrick and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We acquired that pick from the Steelers and took Austin Jackson out of USC. Mason, this pick was met with a little bit of mixed reviews. Obviously, the Dolphins needed a left tackle badly. The top four were off the board. Austin Jackson brings a lot of promise, a ton of upside, but he's also kind of a project, very raw in terms of his technique and his experience. Yeah, Riley, it's not a safe pick. It's really not. But Miami, this is the guy they wanted to grab with that first round pick, with their second first round pick out of three in the first round. And it was actually the fourth first round offensive lineman the Dolphins have drafted since 2009. Riley, you know I love to just put you on the spot with these trivia questions. So let's see how your your mind's working right oh, now. Oh, God, here we so, go again. <laughs> that's right. Every, every episode, I try to give you a trivia question just to keep you on your heels. So like I said, Austin Jackson was the fourth 
offensive lineman the Dolphins have drafted in the first round since 2009. Can you think of the other three? I don't, I don't think this is a super challenging question, but it'll be interesting to see if you can go back 10 years ago or so and, and think of the other th- three. Especially because I'm on the spot. So since 2009, offensive lineman? Okay, so obviously Laramie Tunsil. Yep, good one. Laramie Tunsil, number 13, fell to the Dolphins. Um, Jawan James. Yep, Jawan James out of Tennessee. Okay. So there's one more. Was it early? Was it early, like close to 2009? Yeah, 2011. um, I'll give you a hint just so we can move on to the rookies. He has a twin brother. Mike Pouncey. There you go. And uh, you you got it right when I was giving you a hint, so I'll give you credit. But there you go. But yeah, so the Dolphins, you know, haven't drafted a ton of offensive linemen in the last 10, 12 years or so. Um, But yeah, Austin Jackson, not really a safe pick, but he is someone who had 40 starts at USC. And the Dolphins tackle play was horrible last season. Among 65 offensive linemen, the bottom three and offensive tackle win rate were all Dolphins players. So there's going to be a lot of hope for Austin Jackson to come in to make an impact. He's got a lot of work to do as far as getting solid production at an NFL level, but the Dolphins love him. Um, All Pac-12 first team last season, and he's got great character too. Uh, We read about the story. We heard about the story, uh, especially when the Dolphins drafted him, but he saved his sister's uh, Autumn's life last summer by donating bone marrow. Um, He missed most of the offseason recovering from the surgery, and it impacted his play. But for him to do that, it just shows how much bigger family is than football to him. And that is something you do like to see in a Dolphins player, especially a rookie they get. So it is, it is an exciting pick. It's not a safe pick, but I'm really interested to see how he's going to do picking up the offense when he comes into camp. Yeah, if you haven't seen that ESPN feature that they did around draft time on Austin Jackson, I highly recommend it. Probably can find it on just a quick YouTube search uh, because it really is – an inspiring story. I mean, this guy saved his sister's life. He put his football career on hold and he potentially even derailed it. But that shows really Mason, the talent that this guy has, the fact that, you know, he had to recover from the surgery. He talked about his weakness. He talked about his soreness. He really wasn't himself. He said for most of last season, but still managed to be first team all pack 12. And he's got such an athletic build. I mean, when you look at him, he kind of reminds me of another offensive tackle out of USC, Tyrone Smith, the offensive tackle for the Cowboys, their body type and their athletic abilities are very similar. Now, obviously he has a lot more work in terms of his technique to do, to be more like Tyrone Smith. I mean, Tyrone Smith is a perennial pro bowler in this league. So he's got to work on his hand placement. He's got to work on his feet. His feet struggle at times getting off the line of scrimmage. He showed inconsistencies at USC, but he also showed just how good he can be. He has perhaps the highest ceiling of any of the tackles in this past draft. But in terms of being game ready, that's probably why he fell to number 18. And unfortunately, he's going into a situation where he doesn't have the luxury of learning behind someone. He is going to be thrust in there pretty quickly. If he's not the starter week one, I'm going to be pretty shocked. Yeah, and and like I said earlier... If he's not the starter in week one, it's not only going to be shocked, it's going to be disappointed because something even either Davenport really upped his game in the offseason and he showed and he proved to the coaching staff that he can be a starter or Jackson just does not have it to start in the NFL. We really need to hope Austin Jackson can start week one because that'll show us that the Dolphins first round pick was worth that first round pick. 
Let's go ahead and talk about Mason, your favorite pick yes. in the NFL draft. Yes. Well, but, but but besides Tua, besides Tua. Well, yeah, besides Tua, but in the second round, the Dolphins go after offensive lineman out of Louisiana Lafayette, Robert Hunt. If you haven't yet, Dolphins fans, go watch the tape on Robert oh, Hunt. Oh baby. Oh baby. <laughs> he will make you want to run through a brick wall. This guy, all he did his entire college career was run people over and pancake people. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, Mason, when you're talking about attitude on the offensive line. Brian Flores bringing in guys that are going to be nasty maulers on the offensive line. No more pushing this line around with guys like Robert Hunt on the line. Second lowest pressure percentage allowed of 380 offensive tackles tracked by PFF. Hunt is six foot five. 323 pounds, six foot 10 with 11 inch hands. Riley, he's a people mover. I absolutely love the pick by the Dolphins. Now, it's going to be very interesting to see where Miami wants him to play. Are they going to want to put him at the guard spot to battle with Dieter, or are they going to want to try to move him to right tackle? Because if he does move to right tackle, remember Jesse Davis, he has some experience playing other spots. He could possibly go to another position entirely. I don't know if that's where I see him, especially early in his NFL career. I think guard is going to be the best spot, right guard, battling with Michael Dieter. But the fact that the Dolphins drafted him 39th overall, which is pretty high, the fact that they drafted him at 39th kind of tips their hat. They may want to train him and get him ready to be a future right tackle in this league. It's going to be one of the storylines I'm really looking forward to training camp, seeing his progression, seeing how he looks out on the field because he is a beast. And to really see if he's going to fit that mold for a right tackle, I just don't know if he's going to have that speed for it. It's funny because we chatted with pro football focus analyst Ben Lindsay a couple weeks ago on the show, and he actually wrote about the biggest position battles for each team going into the season, and he picked the battle yeah. between Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt. And I kind of agree with you on this, Mason. So I love him as a prospect. I think no matter what, you're going to see Robert Hunt as a starter on this offensive line, considering that the team invested such a high draft pick. I mean, when you invest such a high draft pick on these guys, you want to do everything in your power to get them on the field, get them going, get them reps, and see them succeed. So whether it's at right tackle or right guard, I think you're going to see Robert Hunt in that starting lineup at the beginning of the year. But I look at the tape of him, and I love the makeup that he has for the guard position, especially as a run blocker. I think him playing tackle is possible. I just don't know if he has the lateral quickness to you know stay with those edge rushers at the NFL level. He has to improve his footwork. He needs to avoid dumb penalties at, at times, which I kind of love this. You know, when, when you're, one of your cons listed is that you're too aggressive at times <laughs> and you're an offensive lineman, I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not a con. Listen, if we need to eat a personal foul penalty, unless it's a, you know, an important situation, but if we need to eat, if we need to swallow a flag every now and then and he can continue to just be a mauler and a tough guy out there on the field, I'll easily take that any day of the week. But playing at Louisiana Lafayette, Obviously, the level of competition that he saw week in and week out is not like what these guys that come from the SEC like Austin Jackson saw in the Pac-12. It's different. It just is. I mean, we talked to Bryce Sterk about this earlier this week, you know, being at Montana State. And he even admitted, you know, when he was playing in the Senior Bowl 
going up against guys from Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, it's just, you know, the skill level might be similar, but just the size and the speed of these guys. So think about going and playing at Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously, he dominated there, but it wasn't the highest level of competition in college football. And then you make the jump to the NFL and you're playing a position that may not necessarily be your natural position at right tackle. I think that what we're going to see play out in camp is he might be the future right tackle, depending on what the Dolphins do with draft picks in the future. But I think you're going to be seeing him at right guard, most likely when we start the season. Dude, man, hate, hating on the Sunbelt Conference. I mean, you're hating I'm on sorry. these. I'm sorry. It is what it is. I mean, it's Coastal not Carolina, best. Georgia Southern, Texas State. I mean, you're proving I'm my point, a, Mason. <laughs> I'm missing a few, man. I'll tell you what, that is a very underrated, exciting conference. I, I bet on a lot of college football, and that, that is an exciting conference to watch play. But listen, I don't I, doubt I see it. your point. I see your point, and I agree with it. But it is getting me excited just talking about Robert Hunt because, you know, you look at our interior linemen in Flowers, Karras, and possibly Hunt at the right guard spot. Those could really be three solid run-blocking linemen to have there in the middle for the Dolphins. We've brought in Jordan Howard, Matt Breida. They're going to appreciate that more than anybody. They're going to appreciate the upgrade in the line. So we talk about how the Dolphins have upgraded their line. Obviously, they've added depth, but they've put players in position that are much better at at run blocking, and that's going to help in the long run for everybody. It's very underrated when you think about the improvements this team made. And like you mentioned, Jordan Howard excels between the tackles, and the fact that you bring in these guys that excel in the run blocking game, you're not going to see the Miami Dolphins rank 32nd in rush offense. I guarantee that. You know, If they can make their way to the middle of the pack, that's the kind of progress you want to see, and I think it's certainly attainable. With all of the additions that they made in the backfield, with all of these additions we're talking about tonight, totally feasible that we could see this running attack improve tremendously this season. So very excited about the prospect of Robert Hunt. I would love it if he came in and just took the right tackle job by the reins and just ran with it. We'll see how it plays out. I would love to see Robert Hunt at right tackle, Dieter at right guard, you know, a lot of youth, a lot of upside, but if he's not ready, he's not ready. And if he's going to be better at right guard, put him at right guard. We have two first round picks next year. I would love to see them invest another first round pick in a tackle. So you have two first round picks back to back years. You, I know you're shaking your head, Mason, but <laughs> if you're going to, uh, if you're going to invest in protecting Tua, I think yeah. you want to put yeah. a lot of capital into making sure that you keep him upright, especially with his medical history. So if you have Austin Jackson, with our first round pick this year, and then one of the two first round picks, or even one of our two second round picks, just one of our high draft picks to get another tackle next year. I think that's a major possibility when we kind of look at the 2021 draft, which we'll get into at some point down the road. But there are possibilities for the Dolphins to address the right tackle position if if you have to move Hunt into guard. So let's go ahead and wrap this up with talking about the last offensive lineman that the Miami Dolphins took Guard out of Georgia, Solomon Kinley. He was their fourth-round pick. They traded with the Texans to move up and use the fourth-round pick from the Igbenogany trade in the first round. So they traded up to get this guy, so they obviously like something out of Solomon Kinley. He's another one of those guys. He is a big dude, 6'4", 336. In fact, one of the cons is he might need to lose weight at the NFL level because he has some problems with his mobility, getting off the line of scrimmage, Beating defenders off the line of scrimmage and gaining that leverage is something he needs to work on. But this guy, he's another. We talked about it over and over with these new acquisitions. Road grader, 
powerful, and he brings that nastiness. He is well known as a trash talker from his days in the SEC. <laughs> so Love another it. one of those guys you don't want to mess with. Now the Dolphins, they had a strategy entering this draft. It was get a quarterback and then build an offensive line that is a brick wall around him. And the Dolphins drafted three linemen. The third one, Solomon Kinley. He's going to be a project. He is. You mentioned the mobility issues. He has that. He has some weight issues too. So it'll be interesting to see if how much weight he possibly does have to lose uh, to fit in this position. But he's going to learn a lot. I feel like he's going to play behind Flowers and left guard. He's hopefully going to have some impact on the team. And he's going to be another interesting rookie to watch in camp. But he's definitely a project. And hopefully in the next year or two, we can see him as a future starter for this line. So he played in 2005 snaps at Georgia. He allowed four sacks in 14 hurries in 901 pass blocks. So one thing I will say, Mason, is compared to last year, it's just nice to have options, right? Last year we were we were scraping for whoever we could find to throw in on the offensive line. And now we're talking about all these different scenarios of how you can puzzle together this Miami Dolphins offensive line. So it's nice to talk about, hey, well, if this guy fits in well here, then this guy can go here. That is not what the case was last year at all. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun offseason. Uh, you know, if you're really going to pay attention to one unit on this team and seeing the camp battles in that regard, it's going to be the offensive line because they brought in new additions and Karis and Flowers, who we talked about, who they're going to have an immediate impact and they're going to be lined up to be week one starters. And then you have some guys from last year who are going to fight for their starting spots in Jesse Davis and uh, Dieter. And then you have some rookies who are going to hopefully make an impact earlier on in Austin Jackson and Hunt and then you're going to have some good depth too. So the Dolphins really did a good job overall in the offseason of adding depth, of adding solid veterans or solid guys who are going to come in and fill a role, and then going out in the draft and finding those big people-moving guards and tackle in Austin Jackson who are going to really be the future of this franchise, hopefully. So, Riley, as we wrap this up, right now – Let's make a prediction. It's not even training camp yet, so this is like a super early prediction. But give me who you think your week one starters are going to be, and we can even maybe say like week one of preseason. Who do you think is going to be in the starting spot for the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously hard because we haven't seen the rookies in camp, but just based off where they were drafted, what the team invested in them, I fully expect to see Austin Jackson at left tackle. I would be absolutely stunned if we saw anything else. And quite frankly, if we do see that, I'm going to be really worried <laughs> yeah. about how that pick turned out for us. At left guard, I think Eric Flowers is pretty much the biggest lock out of this entire offensive line. At center, I'm going to go with Ted Karras. But like I said, if things kind of you know sort out in a certain way on the right side of the line, I could see Dieter coming in and maybe possibly fight for that starting job. You go to right guard, I think that's a battle between Dieter and Hunt, and I think Hunt's going to win out on that. And then at right tackle, because I said Hunt is going to win out at right guard, it's going to be between Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt. And I'm going to say Jesse Davis is more of a natural tackle, so I think he's going to at least get the start at right tackle this year. I, I agree with you with all that. I think those are the the safest picks for who the Dolphins are going to be rolling with. But I will say this. I wouldn't be super surprised if Robert Hunt, maybe not week one, but does find himself at that right tackle position. 
I think that's why the Dolphins draft him so early on. It's going to be more of a project to move him to the tackle position, but it's going to be very, very satisfying if we see him play that right tackle position because that he has proved to the coaching staff he's not just a guard. He can play tackle the NFL, and having that versatility on this line is really going to help. So I agree with you with all of those five and, and where you listed them at, but the only other thing I will say is Dieter could possibly play that right guard spot and then Hunt moves to right tackle. But then again, having two rookies at the tackle position in Jackson and in Hunt is very scary just saying that. So we'll have to see how it'll shake up. So much intrigue, so many question marks. This is going to be the position group to watch in training camp for obvious reasons, especially when you draft Tua as your future quarterback. You need an offensive line that at least is going to be serviceable if you're going to throw him out there. If they're a complete mess like they were last year, you cannot risk putting in a new quarterback that is coming off a dislocated hip and throwing him to the Wolves. So it is so important and so vital for this unit to prove that they are serviceable and for these pieces to fall into place and these investments that they made, you know, to come to fruition and pay off for them. So I'm optimistic about a lot of the pieces. There are some question marks still remaining, um, but there are a lot of clear improvements on the offensive line from last year. But quite frankly, Mason, you couldn't go anywhere but up. (laughs) From last year. Yeah, you're 100% correct with that. (laughs) So at least we've seen the worst. I don't think it's going to get worse than what we saw last year. So a lot of promise, a lot of upside around this offensive line. So let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Finit to Win It. What is your projected starting offensive line for the Miami Dolphins? Who are you most excited to see this year? Is it the acquisitions of our free agents and Flowers and Karras? Are you excited to see what Jackson brings at left tackle? Or are you like Mason? and pumped to see Robert Hunt just destroy people on the right side of the line this year. So let us know at Finit to Win It. You can check us out at any major podcast platform, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. For Mason, I'm Riley. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Finit to Win It. We'll see you next time. Fins up, everybody. on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.